Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today in Science from Wired. The desert's fragile skin can't take much more heat. Climate change and human activity are destroying the layers of fungi, lichen, and bacteria that protect deserts from erosion. By Christy Hamilton. Eighty-five miles from the small town of Moab, Utah, located in the Colorado Plateau in the southwest of the U.S., soil ecologist Rebecca Finger-Higgins is hopscotching on copper-toned sandstone to avoid stepping on the desert's black, burnt-looking crust of soil. Don't bust the crust, the saying here goes. Don't tiptoe on the crypto. Cryptobiotic soil, or biocrust, forms the top layer of the desert, a skin squirming with living organisms. Just as microscopic organisms are vital to our health, think gut bacteria for digestion and disease prevention, the desert skin hosts a whole community of organisms that are vital to the ecosystem. Without the desert's skin, much less life would exist in these lands. Flowers would wilt and sparse pockets of shrubs would struggle to survive. The plateau's biocrust is easily identifiable under a bright yolk sun, a dark, bumpy surface that stretches between shrubs, like snakeweed and yucca, and the towering buttes and mesas that make up the Colorado Plateau's iconic landscape. It's here that Finger Higgins pricks metal pin flags into square grids that crisscross 12 football field-sized plots of land. She's part of an ongoing study that has tracked the health of biocrusts since 1996, with some records reaching back as far as 1967. Until the past few decades, biocrusts have been largely overlooked. The desert's scruffy top layer was seen as a static feature of the ecosystem. It's only relatively recently that the importance of biocrusts in sustaining the life and integrity of the desert has been understood, and that damage to them has been recorded. I think the study is awesome, says Matthew Boker, a soil ecologist and associate professor at Northern Arizona University who was not involved in the research. It's pretty much the only data set of biocrusts that I know of that goes back that far. Fingerhigan calls the plots of land here pristine. By this, she means no cattle have grazed on the land, the bikers and hikers are prohibited. Pristine is an important distinction. If you've been to Moab and the surrounding canyonlands, you know that all-terrain vehicles roar out of town and through the landscape, usually on designated roads, but sometimes swerving off-piste and into unpaved desert. Cattle graze through the land, and enthusiastic hikers tromp the soil in boots. And yet, the desert's harsh reputation belies the fragility of a landscape where life lives on the edge. 
Scientists colloquially refer to biocrusts as living skin because the first organisms to take up residence are cyanobacteria, which under a microscope look like little worms that glide through the soil, leaving a trail of sticky fibers in their wake. Soil particles stick to these fibers and create a sponge-like structure that absorbs water when it rains. Soon moss, algae, fungi, and lichens move in as tenants. It can take years to decades, and in extreme cases up to centuries for this community to form a thick, knobby crust. The microbial filaments in the crust can resist strong winds due to their tensile strength, how much they can be pulled before breaking. However, they are vulnerable to compressional forces, such as a human foot punching through the crust, which can leave sun-loving cyanobacteria, lichens, and mosses buried with no light. When you trample it, you're resetting a clock that's been going for a long time back to zero, says Finger Higgins, whose latest findings on biocrust degradation were published last month in PNAS, and so now the system has to repair itself. To keep her plots devoid of damage, Finger Higgins prefers to keep quiet about the exact location of her research site. But what should be immaculate desert crust with white fungi peeping through, she says, is not as healthy as expected. Something is amiss, and not just on the Colorado Plateau, which bleeds into four U.S. states, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico, but elsewhere, too. Deserts are, in some ways, the forgotten landscapes of climate change. This is all the more incredible considering drylands cover around 40% of Earth's land surface and support some 2 billion people, with biocrusts covering 12% of our planet's surface. And yet Finger Higgins's study suggests that even without human interference, Warming may partially negate decades of protection from disturbance, with biocrust communities reaching a vital tipping point. A tipping point refers to the moment when ecosystems can only take so much more stress before they fundamentally change. Rising temperatures and drought mean we may be circling the drain on that, says Finger Higgins. Nitrogen-fixing lichens seemingly held steady from 1967 to 1996 at 19% of the biocrust's cover but then they dropped from that constant down to 5% in 2019. Our study corroborates a lot of experimental work that is done globally. It shows that there are upper heat limits to biocrust that we didn't fully know until recently. Bala Chaudhry, a soil ecologist and assistant professor at Dartmouth College who was not involved in the study, agrees. Even if humans are proactive about how their physical presence affects the landscape, biocrusts are being impacted by global climate change, she says. Of course, it's tough for even long-term observational studies to whittle away all the possible confounding factors, which is why scientists have also taken experimental steps to simulate biocrusts in a warming world. For example, between 2005 and 2014, a team used infrared heat lamps to warm a spot of crust on the Colorado Plateau by 2 to 4 degrees Celsius. They too found that warming led to a decline in mosses and lichen compared to an unaltered plot of land. Then there was a 2018 study that analyzed data from more than 500 publications and estimated that biocrusts will decrease by about 25 to 40 percent within 65 years due to anthropogenically caused climate change and land use intensification. Finger Higgins' paper offers a little more realism than these experimental studies, says Boker. It shows something that unfolded over an extended period of time in a natural ecosystem. So is stripping the desert of its crusty skin really a big deal? If you have spent time in the southwest of the U.S., you know it's extremely windy and that storm systems can whip through the land. The biocrust acts as a protective layer, a kind of glue that holds the soil together. 
Biocrusts are sometimes referred to as ecosystem engineers, says Chaudhry, who compares them to beavers in their ability to alter a landscape. Without the biocrust, we'd have no soil. The soil would have been blown off into the river. We'd be inhaling it. We wouldn't be able to grow crops, says Finger Higgins. The biocrust prevents the horrible dust storms and dust bowls like we saw in the 1930s. You do not want to be breathing in that dust, she adds. That can have really bad problems for respiratory illness. We would also lose the desert's seed bank. The sponge-like biocrust not only absorbs water, it provides a stable place for plants to grow, increases soil fertility, aids in carbon storage, reduces mudslides, and impacts the hydrological cycle in the region. If the surface becomes a hard surface that water can't infiltrate, you're not going to get groundwater recharge. It's all just going to be surface runoff and then fill rivers and have these flash systems, says Finger Higgins. So you're losing the groundwater sources, you're losing clean municipal water sources, and you're silting up your rivers that you do have. The other unforeseen problem with erosion is that the dust can settle onto glaciers. It then lowers the surface albedo of the snowpack, how much sunlight it reflects, causing the glacier to absorb more energy and melt faster, says Chaudhry. It feeds into this climate change positive feedback cycle. Hearing all this, it's easy to fall into climate grief, the feeling that nothing can be done. But Chaudhry says that's far from the truth. In the last five years, there has been an explosion of research dedicated to restoring biocrusts through different culturing techniques, technologies, and nutrient additions, she says. For example, scientists are testing whether adding doses of bacteria to the soil can help biocrusts rebound faster. There is also discussion of salvaging soil crusts from sites that are slated for road construction and relocating them to degraded lands. Then there are researchers performing desert skin grafts by transplanting lab-grown biocrusts into the wild. But ecologists like Stephen Warren contend that while there is some success to be had with these methods, large-scale solutions are few and far between. Instead, he suggests we tend to passive restoration, where a swath of land is protected so the biocrust can heal itself. Anyone can help with this, Finger Higgins says. If you are traveling off-trail or in the backcountry, think about where you're stepping. Try to minimize your impact. In other words, don't bust the crust. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.